This morning, we'd like to begin in 2 Kings chapter 6. Second Kings chapter six and verses eight to twenty. Now the king of of Syria was making war against Israel, and he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely, He is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of man, the man of God, arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. Now Elisha said to them, This is not the the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. So it was, when they had come to Samaria, that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men, that each may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and and. There they were, inside Samaria. Okay. <clears throat> if I was going to name this message, it would be, Open their eyes, open his eyes that he might see. <clears throat> this is a story in the Old Testament where Elisha the prophet is about to be arrested, at least that's what they wanted to do, they wanted to arrest him and bring him back to Syria, the foreign country, because Syria and Israel were enemies at that time and he wanted to capture him and bring him back and sent this great army, well-equipped army, and it surrounded the city 
that Elisha was in, Elisha the prophet, that night. And the next morning, Elisha's servant gets up and he sees this great army surrounded the city. And he's panicked. And he says to Elisha, he says, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha's answer is, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And this goes to show you that there is two separate ways to look at things in life. Excuse me. And you see that Elisha and his servant were looking at the same thing. But they had two different views of what they were looking at. Elisha was looking at it through spiritual eyes. Elisha's servant was looking at it through natural eyes. And so that's why Elisha prays. Elisha already knows and sees that God is on his side. That God is with him. And so he prays that God would open the eyes of his servant. And the eyes of his servant are open. And he sees this great number of horses and chariots of fire. The army of heaven was on their side. And then... It says, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And that for us is a message about being able to see things as God does. In the book of 1 Samuel, God tells Samuel, Man does not see as God sees. For man looks at a, the outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart. We don't naturally see things the way God sees them. That's the story about where we read it a few weeks ago, where Samuel went to Jesse, the house of Jesse to anoint a new king to Israel after God rejected King Saul. And he has this first son, the firstborn son of Jesse come before him. And he was a big, strong man. He looked like a great warrior. And, God, and Samuel the prophet said, Oh, you know, God's anointed is before me. And God says, Oh, no, I've rejected him. And that's when he said, Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart. And so, do we see the way God sees? And that's the question in this message. You see that Elisha prayed and the, the men of Syria were struck in with blindness and they couldn't see physically. And then they were brought, he led them right into the, the, the capital city, inside a fortress city of Samaria, the capital of Israel. All, and 
But when they finally, Elisha prayed for their eyes to be open, they were surrounded by the army of Israel inside their camp. And they would have been dead ducks if the Lord didn't have mercy on them. But that was the power of God to completely change the situation. Because Elisha saw things through the, you know, through the spiritual eyes. And he saw the power of God at that time. And he saw what God was able to do. And he wasn't afraid. And said, so, well, you know, well, that's a great story of way back when, 2,600, 700 years ago. That's great, but what does that have to do with us today? So, in Ephesians chapter 1, as we go to the New Testament, Paul is writing this to a, a, a city of, a church in the city of Ephesus. Ephesians 1, beginning in verse 15 to verse 20. Excuse me. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Mm -hmm. The Apostle Paul here, in this letter he's writing to these Christians in Ephesus, and he talks about after their conversion, they received the Holy Spirit, and he says he heard of their faith in the Lord Jesus and their love for each other. He says, pray for you continually. That God would give you wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. That we would become wise. And God would reveal things to us. He says that our eyes of our understanding being opened. Being enlightened. Being opened. And this is similar to what Elisha was praying for for his servant. God, open his eyes that he might see. May God open our eyes and see. That we might see that God might give us wisdom and reveal things to us about the knowledge of Him. That who He is and what He's about and what He's done for us. That we may know the hope of our calling. The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. The greatness, the commitment that God has towards us who believe. This is a very positive message from Paul. 
that God has given him, not only for the church at Ephesus, but for us. This message that, about the prophet Elisha speaking to his servants some thousand, several thousand years ago, it's for us, too, to learn. That sometimes we don't see things the way God does. We have to have God reveal them to us. A spirit of wisdom and revelation. The word revelation comes from the word reveal. When something is revealed to us, it's called a revelation. The last book of the Bible is called the Revelation, where God reveals what's going to happen. Jesus revealed through the Apostle John what's going to happen in the end times, before, before, and, and, when, before and after Jesus' return. Those things are revealed. And we need God to reveal things to us. May God open our eyes to see His great love toward us. This great hope we have in His calling. And what is His greatness of His power towards us who believe that God wants to help us. God wants to move mountains in our life. And if we believe these things and God opens our eyes to them, and we see them and believe them, then God will move mountains in our life as we believe them. But sometimes we have the blinders on. They put blinders on a horse for horse races so he can't see the other guys, the other horses that they're racing against. Just can see straight ahead, and that's it. So it's like this narrow tunnel vision. You can only see straight ahead. <clears throat> they call them blinders. And we need to have blinders removed from our eyes to see the greatness of His power towards His children. In the Gospel of John, it says, As many as receive Christ, to them does He give the power to become the children of God. And John writes in 1 John chapter 3, And now we are the children of God. the Apostle Paul is trying to explain here the importance of being one of his children and all the benefits of it. You know, if we understand and our eyes are opened, we should never be depressed or discouraged or disillusioned or fearful. Jesus said he would never leave us or forsake us. Do we understand what it means, the privilege, of what it means when we become the children of God? Through faith in the Son of God and what he did on the cross, that he's really he's the Messiah, he's the Christ. And we come to him and we respond by faith to this message. And we become the children of God. And some people say, oh, that's nice. Now, you know, I can go to church and now I'm part of the church and now I'm going to go to heaven and, and now I'm just going to drag my carcass through this life until I get there. Hmm. Until I leave this life and I'm just going to drag my feet along and drag my body along and get through this life. And finally, when I get through this life and all its misery, you know, yahoo, then I'll get there. There's more. 
Jesus talked about coming to give us a life and that more abundantly. And that's not just in the sweet by and by when we get to heaven. For us who are in Christ. The abundant life can be experienced now in this life. But if our eyes aren't open to it, then that's our life is going to be one of misery. And of and of just negativity and just trying to squeeze through this life to get to the promised land. It's not what God meant. It's not what Jesus meant. When he talked about this life, this abundant life, about being the children of God, about in this life, about having our eyes open to the truth, about the power of God that's available to us in this life, to help us, to answer our prayers, to help us through, to lift us up, to encourage us. But it comes through believing. Now may the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace in believing. So Paul writes at the end of one of his letters. In believing. In believing these things. But how could Elisha's servant believe in chariots of fire and army like that if he didn't, if he didn't see it? They're seeing with the natural eye. And then they're seeing through the eyes of the Spirit. That's why he says that the eyes of our understanding, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Or, it's, or also it says the eyes of your heart be enlightened. The eyes of our spirit be enlightened. Being lightened, enlightened on the inner man, in the inner man. A light going on inside of us. Jesus talked about the issues of life, like it says in the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. The issues of life proceed forth from the heart. The heart of man, the spirit of man. The person who lives inside the body. The house. The person that lives in that house. The heart of man. Jesus said it was the things that come out of us that come from the heart which defile us. And that's where we needed deliverance. That's why Jesus said you must be born a second time. You must be born of the spirit. You must be born again. We need, Jesus pointed to the problem inside of man, was inside of the heart. And needed to change, and he needed to give us his nature. And then when that happens, and we become the children of God, then what? Where do we go from there? There's the life in, in Christ. And you know, <clears throat> several times, it talks about being renewed. The word renew means to make new again. You know, by way of reminder. Remind, renew. Bring it fresh to our minds and make it new to us. It says, Second uh, Corinthians 13, 5. Paul writing to the Corinthian church, don't you know that Jesus Christ is in you? It's a reminder. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man. A reminder of making it new again. 
Ephesians chapter 3, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ living in us. <clears throat> so what we read here is about understanding the hope of our calling. That God may make it real to us. Reveal it and make it real. Not just a Christian doctrine, but a real part of our life. That not only with the children becoming a child of God comes responsibility, sure, but benefits. Benefits that no one else gets. You know, <clears throat> I look at people... Most, most of you know that I work at a golf course and I've been there for 31 years and there's certain benefits there, but I'll tell you the truth. I know people that get union jobs and as soon as they get that union job, their benefits package way out, <clears throat> out exceeds what I have after 31 years. And it's just like they just get this big benefits package, like wow. <clears throat> With becoming... One of God's children becomes this massive benefits package. But, you know, <clears throat> if you don't know what those benefits are, if somebody doesn't tell you about them and give you, a, you know, if you, if you join a union, but they, you don't read the, the pamphlet, it tells you all the these benefits you get, this medical and dental and eyes and, you know, retirement plan and all this, you know, all these massive, you know, benefits. Not going to do you much good, is it? They don't see it. Our eyes aren't open to it. And so it is. With becoming the children of God, there's this great benefit, spiritual benefits package. A great benefit package. And we have to have our eyes open to it. And sometimes, say, yeah, I know that, but then, you know, it kind of dims away and we forget. And that's what the word renewal means. We keep on renewing it, making it fresh and new in our minds. Excuse me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, All the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus. And amen to the glory of God. All the promises for good that are in the Word of God, that are in the Scriptures, are yes, for in Christ, if we become one of His children. It's like the door swings wide open. You know, you're joining... and becoming part of the family of God. And so you get the benefits that those outside of the family of God don't get. The power of God available to you. The promises of God. Promise for Him to answer our prayers. To help us with our problems. All those promises, great promises that are mentioned throughout the whole Bible. The door is unlocked. And the, and the answer is yes to those who are in Christ. All the promises of God are yes those who are in Christ Jesus, and amen to the glory of God. We're praying for others to answer the promises, God's help in these situations. 
God's help for our needs, God's help for our future, God's promise of eternal life, God's deliverance from darkness and from the enemy Satan and all of his uh, demons and all the, the power of darkness and all the sorcery and witchcraft that's practiced in this world and curses being put on people and voodoo and everything else being delivered and being free from all of that. Freedom. Jesus said, he who the Son sets free is free indeed, free for real. That freedom that comes from being the children of God is like no other freedom. Freedom from sin, freedom from temptation, freedom from hopelessness. In the book of Jeremiah it says that he has come to provide for us a hope. A life and a hope. We'll go from here to Second Corinthians, Chapter Four. Verse 16 to 20, first 16 to 18, I'm sorry. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You notice the words that are used over and over again in this passage? Looking and seeing. Looking and seeing. Things which we can see in the physical and the unseen things that we can only see from a spiritual perspective. He talks about here about the aging process. The outward man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. One of the laws of science, called Kelvin's Second law of nuclear thermodynamics, if you want to give it technically, uh, talks about how that the universe is in a decline. It's not growing better, it's actually on the decline. It's, it's uh, eroding. And so that law also is to human nature, too. That human nature, once you're born and you come into this world, you begin to age. And the aging process at first might seem like it's, it's growing in a positive direction, but then you get past a certain point, and then you begin to go on the decline. And then, uh, you know, that aging process, which Paul is talking about here. The outward man is aging. 
And, uh, you know, the inward man is being renewed day by day. The part that we can see, the inward man, the spirit of man, if we are in Christ, it's being renewed day by day. And the word renew means it's being made new every day. But is that exactly what we're experiencing? Are we experiencing that day-by-day rejuvenation, renewal, you know, reminding, that whole thing? Is is it becoming, is it new every day? The book of Jeremiah says God's mercies are new every day. Are we becoming old and stale? You know, is our inner man becoming stale? And dried up and, and or is it becoming is it being rejuvenated re-energized and it's the life in the spirit and God revealing to us and opening our eyes that continual rejuvenation he can give us it's one of the benefits of the New Testament Christian that re-energizing that renewal that refilling that of the Holy Spirit, that, that empowerment to walk the Christian life, to walk in a, it like Christ, to live like Christ, to love like Jesus, to lay down our lives for one another. That's not a work of the outer man. That's a work of the renewal of the inner man, the work of the Spirit. And that's what God is showing us as we look at these things, that we can very easily get wrapped up in the affairs of this life. And Jesus said, those are thorns. They, they choke at us, and they, they choke us from what? From seeing this. And so we need the thorns, we need a machete, the spiritual machete, to cut away those thorns and weeds so that we can see this clearly, that there is available to us great benefits as a Christian. I was reading some time back, and I meant to share this some time ago, uh, something that Andrew Murray, a famous preacher from generations past, he wrote, and I thought about it today, he was talking about specifically about prayer, and he says, and it is in prayer that man takes his part even now, that dominion in the world. As preparation for his future glory, even now, he begins to understand what the inconceivable power of prayer can be in the holy priesthood of intercession. Okay, so it's a little bit theological in how he says it, but what he's saying is a great power in prayer, praying for one another, praying for others, praying for people that God puts in our life, praying for ourselves. You know, that this is our part in taking dominion in the earth. When man was first made, Adam and Eve were first made, God said to Adam, he says, I give you dominion over all the earth. God take the authority and the power and the rule over the earth, and he gave it to man. And that's why over the course of time, that this planet has become so corrupt is because God gave it to man and man corrupted. And you see the, the introduction 
violence and murder and disease and everything happen as you as you see things progress from there. Once man sinned, it's just like just open this whole Pandora's box, this whole this whole tidal wave of corruption. It's not the way God originally set it up. It's what man did with it. But we can take our part in our world that around us to have dominion, a spiritual dominion, to be able to affect our life and the lives of others. And you know, there's a movie that we watch every Christmas, and it's a holiday movie. And they play it every year, even in, you know, on television. And the movie is called It's a Wonderful Life. And the message, the basic message of that movie is how that one person can affect so many lives around them for good or for evil, depending on what they do with it. And so, you know, from that message, we go to the message of the gospel and what we've been reading today and how that not only can we affect our lives for such great good, God reveals that to us, but he reveals that the positive impact that we can have in the lives of others. If we see it and we're available and we give ourselves to be available to it. And so that's what we need our eyes open to. You know, in that movie, that man needed his eyes open to that truth about how he had affected so many people's lives the way he didn't even realize it. His eyes weren't open to it. May God open our eyes to the hope of our calling. To the great inheritance that we have as his children, both in this life and the life to come. And what is the greatness of his power to those who believe? And as I finish this, I just want to think of this one thing, you know. Where are we at? You know, where are we at spiritually? What what has our outlook been? Has it been that black cloud of negativity just kind of like falling over us? Kind of like Charlie Brown, it seems like, you know, everything's always like, you know, this, you know, you know, in the message, Charlie Brown Christmas, Charlie Brown was like, you know, he was so dis- disturbed and discouraged about the whole idea of Christmas had become so commercial and everything. And his friend Linus says to him, Charlie Brown, you're the only guy I know that can turn a beautiful season like Christmas and turn it into a problem. And, you know, we can see things in such a negative way like that. We just have that dark cloud of negativity and just, you know, have the blinders on and we're looking at our problems and we're looking at the problems around us and, and the problems amongst our loved ones, and it's just like this whole black cloud of negativity, and look at my life, and look at these problems, and I don't see any way out of it. That's right. We don't see. May God open our eyes that we might see things through possibilities that we have open to us as the children of God. May God help us to see the power that we have in prayer if we believe the power that we have to get control of our lives, to get control of our human nature, to get control of our temper, to get control of our of all of our issues, and to turn it from darkness to light. The dark cloud goes away. 
When God reveals these things to us, and may God reveal these things to us, when God reveals these things to us, then we're enlightened. Our spirit becomes enlightened. The light shines. And if we're not seeing it, pray for God to open our eyes that we might see.